Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. Ready to go. Here we go. I uh, guess. No, well, I'm not ready to go because I don't even know what episode it is. Is it 102? Shit. Hold on. I got to look. I think it's 102. Patrick, watch the creaking of the chair. So why don't you go out in the other room? Well. You can leave the door open, but go out in the other room. Thanks. Um, podcast. Actually, he wasn't too bad. No, but also we have, uh, he's sitting in a chair. I'm at the uh, Fun Employment Radio Studios, and he was sitting in one of the chairs that just creaks every time you move. Ah. And I know, th- I know that it's going to drive me crazy. I miss thee, you must be oblivious. Sleeping dragon, no such thing as coincidence. Cheshire cat with the sexy cool My big throw the mic cause he still fucking rules Got a new show and a little bit of time To show you what it's like without a number one mind Bring a few friends, maybe a brew or two Let the obviously oblivious into you Obviously oblivious With the mic and evil Cheshire cat And now, SPT 45 Hi yes, welcome ladies and gentlemen to Obviously Oblivious Double O one O two. I am the Mike. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. It's the first show I've done since before Christmas. I think the twenty third was the last Double O. A uh, little sick, getting better, and uh, I had something to get me through all that, you know, sadness, painness, uh, dyingness. And that's talking to Don Taylor. That's who I have on today. It's another interview show for that ass. And uh, I don't even know why I said that, but I did, and now it's out there. Um, hi, Don. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, no, it's my pleasure. Uh, for those of you who don't know Dawn, uh, get your ass out from underneath that rock. Dawn is a a radioist, a podcraftist, a uh, a speaker of the words. Dawn, why don't you give everybody a little uh, background on yourself? Oh, uh, wow. Okay. Um, well, for a long time, I was a journalist. I spent about uh, 10 years as a film critic. I wrote for the Portland Tribune here in Portland, Oregon. I wrote for cinematical.com. I also had some stuff in a few magazines. I was a regular contributor to the lamented uh, DVD journal. And um, that got me invited on people's radio shows, most notably uh, Rick Emerson, uh, who has a show here in Portland. And was uh, a a fan of podcasty people all over the country. And uh, we did that for a while, that kind of, and about the same time that that was happening, well, his, his let me see, <laughs> see my, my own story confuses me. That's okay. Uh, I don't even know who the fuck he, I am anymore, Don. He was, he was on FM radio when his show was canceled, and I realized I would not have my weekly outlet to yap about myself and give my opinions uh, verbally. I spoke to uh, Bobby Roberts, fat yeah. boy, of course, fat boy Good friend and of asked show. him at a party, I said, uh would you help me make a podcast? And he said, sure. So we came up with ham-fisted radio. I started doing that. Been doing that for a while. Then Rick Emerson asked me to do a couple of shows with him. So for about 18 months, we did two shows concurrently, uh, Legion of news, which was me reading the news and him being Rick Emerson and being snarky about the news yeah. and a podcast version of the Rick Emerson show. Then Rick decided to retire and, 
left me just with my own little ham-fisted radio empire. Yeah. And so what is it with you and the men in your lives where <laughs> you're just, uh, make, they're just quitting and they're just going away? What's going on with that? <laughs> It could be. I mean, let me, let me say, let me just say this. I'm glad Patrick's getting better. That that was a little touch and go for a while. Uh, at least he didn't get the, the the raw end of the deal like Rick and Bobby. But well, Bobby, no, Bobby, Bobby quit his own show, but he didn't quit me. He's still actually he still produces Hamfisted Radio. He's still we still record a show every weekend. We have my podcast is a little weird that I do two shows each week and I do them from two different locations with oh, different co-hosts. That is strange. And I still do one every every weekend. Yeah, no, let me, I don't want to talk about fat boy the whole time and I'm not going to, but I just, I'm not convinced. Attention. I'm not convinced that, uh, I'm not convinced that he's going to be okay with it. I, I'm, I'm not. No, he, he does like things to be about him. He, he really does like all the time. Yeah. So, but I love him to death, but I'm just, I'm worried about my friend, you know? Oh, I, yeah. So how did you feel when Rick decided that he didn't want to do it anymore? And, and then. Uh, so then you were just back to ham fisted. Do you, you invest a lot of time in your shows? I mean, how? I do. Um, are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. I okay, just, cu- I, asked, got I asked like three questions. And I'm like, shut the fuck up and let her answer one of them. Also, and everything just went quiet. And I thought I, at the same time I touched the computer. So I thought I'd screwed up Skype. Um, the, the professional politic answer is, um, Rick's a grown man and Rick had other things going on in his life. And it was his decision to do what he wanted to do. And I support him in, in what he wants to do with his career. The real life answer is that I felt kind of like I had the rug pulled out from under me mm-hmm. because I did invest a lot into that. I spent, I spent, you know, we spent a good six to eight months planning it, getting it set up, building the infrastructure so that we were, we had our own server and we were, and we signed up with live 365 and we were taking subscriptions. So we had to set up an entire subscription model and figuring out the format for the shows. And we were live. So I was there every day in the studio for four or five hours. So it really was a job. Yeah. And so, and it was, it was hard to lose that. It really was. Especially something you love doing. Yes. And I did love doing it. I absolutely loved doing it, which is one of the reasons I still do ham-fisted radio, because as you program. know, once you start doing this, if you're the kind of person who, you know, not everybody is going to want to podcast, but if you're the kind of person that it like appeals to you, it becomes addictive very quickly. See, here's where I stand on it. I agree that I like my outlet. I like my uh, my way to get out to the world. I like that I help people. I like that I entertain people and make their lives better. But sometimes, Dawn, sometimes <laughs> podcasting's a fucking thorn in my side. Oh yeah, and really. And but what do I do to fix that? I start a Star Wars show, which is <laughs> beginning next week. What? Yes, so I'll do is. that. I'll start that now too. Let's let's do that. Um, but I do. I love broadcasting. Um, I don't talk a lot in real life uh, because I don't like people so much. But yeah, uh, podcasting is great if you don't like interacting with people. Yeah. There is a saying um, that uh, show business, uh, that uh, radio is show business for ugly people. And yeah. I think really what it is, is podcasting is, is show business for people who just don't want to actually interact with people face to face. But we have a lot of things we want to say to them. Damn yeah. it. I don't want to sit there and type away in a blog. Fuck that. No, oh. no, I got a microphone. I'm going to speak. And I did blog for a lot of years. I think I was I was on Live Journal 
for I think seven years, and I did I did blog, and that was all at the same time I was I was being a journalist for a very long time. Just feel that my uh, calling was to tell people what I thought about things via the written word. Yeah, and and now I now I do it this way. Well, here that's the one thing I did learn about you. Uh, I was investigating you. I was looking into your past, and I didn't really. I, I guess I never really made a click back in the Emerson days that, that you did do movie review stuff and you did do journalism in the past and and i want to get i want to get into that i want to hear how you started that so let's start as a let's start as a young lady uh a young lady i'm talking like uh i don't know mid-teens and what your interests were from there and how you got to into journalism and now let's make the journey to where we are now well my interests in my mid-teens were basically uh avoiding spending time with my mother mm. as much as i could and hanging out with my friends and uh, not going to school most of the time. Mm. I I was a big reader. I did write for my own entertainment. I also, I would skip all the classes all day, except I would go to art and drama. And then I would get, my report cards would come and it would be sad because it would be like, you know, math, that 47 absences, D. <laughs> History, 63 absences. For some reason, I would go there more. D, drama. Two absences. A, I was at school. I just wasn't going to most of my classes. I liked art and drama. That's what I did. Yeah, I liked so, the TV studio and playing Nintendo. That's what I did. Yeah. So I, and then I, um, I, I went to college a bit. I took some classes at UCLA, some classes at Santa Monica Civic City wow, College. You went to UCLA, but I never. Hmm? Wow. Um, no, nice. Go ahead. I'm sorry. But I never got a degree of any kind because it was just it just seemed like too much work. I was very. I was always very much adrift. I had no idea what I wanted to do, where I wanted to go. And I also had this terror, the terror of the, uh, the perfectionist underachiever that if I, if I committed to any one thing, it would turn out to have been the wrong thing. Yeah. So I never picked a thing. Well, there's and nothing I, wrong with that. You were a young girl. It's okay. And I did a few things. Eventually I realized I needed a career. And so I went to culinary school and I was a chef for a while. Mm, I like that. <laughs> And I just realized I was not type A enough to work in a restaurant kitchen. What about a food truck? You're in Portland. Get a food truck. That I may do that at some point. I I, I there's a I got this whole uh, chocolate business thing that I'm. I know you do, and I want to talk about that as well. So don't forget about that. Yeah, and then eventually, um, I did write for my own enjoyment. Like I said, I put out a zine for a while in my twenties, and I was living here in Portland. Um, had just come off of an incredibly bad relationship was working at Starbucks because, well, they hired me. It well, was that's, one of that's where people that just got out of bad relationships go, Starbucks. I need, damn it, I need a job. Who will hire me? Starbucks will yeah. hire me. They have 19 locations on this block. Let's go there. And that were, that's where I met uh, Mike Russell, who is a, was a regular on the Court and Fatboy show. Mm -hmm. He's a cartoonist, a writer for the Oregonian stuff. And he hired me to start writing some stories for the community newspaper that he was editing. That led to me working there part-time, doing things like typing up the obits and, you know, the community calendar, which led to me becoming uh, an actual writer there full-time. And I worked with him for about four and a half years uh, doing community news. And uh, during that time, I also started writing uh, film, film reviews for first a place called, uh, a paper called Just Out here in Portland, that they hired me, I wrote two reviews, then they told me that the paper had been sold and was going under. Oh, that's crazy. I had four reviews <laughs> in the last four issues of Just Out, but my editor there went 
to become editor at the newly formed Portland Tribune, and he took me over there as a film critic. So that worked out nicely for a while. Yeah, I mean, you have more uh, published review movie reviews than I do, so that's something to stand on right there. I, yeah, I was, I was, I did a lot for for a number of years between the DVD reviews for DVD Journal and writing for different outlets like Cinematical. Cin- writing for Cinematical was great. It was. That, that's one of those classic stories where it was great. Our editor was great. The content was great. It was a marvelous site. And then AOL bought it. Man. And Ariana Huffington decided that uh, they didn't want to pay anybody for content. And so basically everyone at Cinematical quit. And now they have people who write for them. Well, the, then eventually they folded Cinematical into, I believe, I, it's the, I think it's movies.com is the one that they own. And it's all the same thing. They either they they pay their editors squat, and then they have people writing for them the same as they get people for Huffington Post, where they go, "Well, we're not going to give you money. We're just doing you a favor by letting you get the exposure." Oh, so that's behind the scenes that I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's a, a lot of writers, uh, professional writers, just really, really try to avoid and dislike Huffington Post as much as possible because I and I gotta say, it's genius. Uh, Ariana Huffington, she figured it out that. It's the way of the internet. You tell you tell people, well, I can't give you any money, but thousands and thousands of people will see your stuff, and that will lead to other work. It never and, does, though. Not for me. Thousands no. and thousands of people listen to me. I never got anything else. Don't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Silly mood. Sorry. The only, the only reason, the only way that works is if I think you're promoting something else. If you have a business or some kind of a product or something that you're selling, and then you write content for something like Huffington, ah, okay. and then at the bottom it says, you know, it says the Mike Pilot has a popular podcast, and you should go listen. No, to it. see, I don't sell myself; I sell everybody else. That's what I do. I promote other people. Yeah, I don't promote other people or myself. So this is this is the first interview I've uh, ever given. By I know I, I was I was very pleased about it. Bobby said something to me about that months ago. I'm like, well, it's good. I like it. And, I do, and here's I the thing: of other people, but I, nobody's ever interviewed me. I know that um, uh, Futzer, Jeff Futzer. You're familiar with Jeff Futzer? Oh yeah, he's okay. a he's a big fan and supporter and uh, friend of Hamfisted Radio. Yes, and he was actually going to sit in when we were doing this interview uh, when we were going to do it earlier this week. Uh, he was very excited about I it. I know. I feel terrible about it. Um, <clears throat> but the way things are going over the next couple of weeks, I wanted to get your interview in. Um, but I want to bring him up because I know he is a huge supporter and a huge, huge fan of yours. And um, I just wanted to bring that up. Futzer's yeah. a good dude. Futzer is a good guy. Futzer has been very good to me. And and uh, I I appreciate I appreciate him. I One of the things I did not realize would happen when i started doing this would be the real world support that i would get from people who listen to the show that people would come by think uh can i come by the studio and bring you something he said sure and they'll come by and bring me a a bottle of whiskey Mm. you know or 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 just or just you know people sending me stuff or or i in fact tomorrow night i'm going to go see the book of mormon which is something that uh back in september I went, oh, my God, Book of Mormon's coming to Portland. Hooray. And looked at the tickets and went, holy crap, there is absolutely no way I can afford those. And I can, because they're, honest to God, a pair of tickets is like 250 bucks. It's uh, a lot of money and, these days. And so I, um, I, I just kind of complained about it in general on Facebook because it pissed me off. Because I was like, damn it, I really wanted to go see. 
and a woman who's a friend of the show. She also is a subscriber to, you know, the season at, at this thing and said, oh, I can get I can get tickets at a really much, much, much for a more affordable price for you. And I said, oh, please then do do that. That'll be great. You know, just let me know what they are and I'll, I'll pay you back. And she got the tickets. She mailed them to me and just said, no, they're my treat. It considered oh. a birthday present. Oh, that's you know? nice. And thank you for bringing me so much joy listening to your show. And I was like, wow, people are awesome. This is great. Yes. People in like by themselves. That's what, that's what I mean. I don't like people. I don't like groups of people. No. I don't like a, a large, just people everywhere around me, but uh, individually human beings. There's a lot of good ones out there. There are. And I think that I, I think I've been really lucky because I look at the people that I talk to interact with on Facebook, like you, you and I are Facebook friends. Yes, we are. And um, I forget just how sometimes just how stupid and illiterate and horrible most of the world is, because I think the people who are attracted to my show and the people who friend me on Facebook are generally pretty smart and reasonable and can spell. So so I forget just how sometimes I forget just how idiotic most of the world actually is. I think I think with the spelling, though, I think that the Internet progressed in such a way that everybody was on forums and they were spelling things wrong. And those terrible spellers were doing so poorly that either they gave up doing that or they learned how to spell. And now people spell better because they don't want that ridicule. It's like being a stutterer in person. Uh, you just stop talking or, or you learn how to not stutter. It's the same thing. There with are some people spelling. though that still just don't quite understand the the forum that they're in uh my friend eric snyder posted something on twitter last night saying you know you know you people do know that there is a there, there are things called texting and email you don't like actually have a private conversation on twitter and in the same way i have an aunt and she's a lovely woman she really is but she'll post something in the comments on facebook and it'll be like she, it's like she's doing like the whole texting that you have to use the the letters instead of words because you're paying by the character, you know, a capital R instead of the word R that yeah. sort of at you instead of Y O U. And I always feel like responding to her and going, you know, you're not under any pressure to not use full words here. <laughs> you can use actual grammatically correct sentences. You're not, there's no time pressure. I don't think anybody's standing over your head with a gun and you have like 10 seconds to get this Facebook comment written. Just yeah. And Facebook's that. a different, it's a different entity. I think uh, when I post something on Facebook, I'm, I'm, it's uh, usually at least thought out for 10 seconds. And uh, if I'm saying something important, I make sure that I spell my words and I use full words and I don't um, shorten things, but Twitter or just a quick text, I, I'm guilty of use and R's and, and, uh, well, you have 140 characters on Twitter. I yeah. mean, you are going to, you know, use an ampersand instead of the word and, or, you know, BEC instead of because or something, because you know, people will get the gist of what you're saying. But when it's a, it's a form like Facebook, it's like, you're not limited. Just use words. Yeah. Use your words. That's all. And people, people don't people, get it. You get nothing from this interview. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm still, uh, still recovering, but um, so where were we? We were talking about know. your, um, so you're, I don't know, <laughs> we really <laughs> went off there, off the rails there. We were talking about you were writing and then you started doing the, uh, the other movie, uh, reviews mm-hmm. and then where'd you go from there? Uh, pretty much here. That pretty much brings me up to date. Really. I, in fact, actually right now, um, I made a vow that I was going to 
get back into uh, writing film reviews on a regular basis again, because I went back to look for something I had written recently. (laughs) This sounds so conceited, but I went back and I read it and I went, you know, this was pretty good. (laughs) I I was actually good at this. Maybe I should do that again. So, so where did, uh, you, you skipped over from the bad breakup and working at Starbucks to where does Patrick come into the story? Uh, I met Patrick about six months after the bad breakup. In fact, I met him while I was working at Starbucks. Um, he, uh, uh, God, Starbucks is like Virginia. It's for lovers. Well, I, I met Mike Russell at, at Starbucks. Patrick, I met and God, I met him at a science fiction convention. Oh, even better. I'm not. I'm not a big science fiction person, but I had a lot of friends who were, and I learned really quickly that the cons are fun. The, the, the panels are fun. Mostly just hanging out in the bar and drinking and, and meeting people is fun. And so I, cause I do have, I denied being a geek for a long time, but I, I worked at a Renaissance fair for 15 years. So I really had no right to, to declaim geekiness. I was going to say, I'm not surprised one bit that you spent 15 years at a Renaissance (laughs) fair. That doesn't surprise me at all. (laughs) Free drinks, getting laid really easily just because I'm running around a costume with boots. No, I get it. I mean, I put the giant turkey legs up with the getting laid. Those are really good. Oh, there's that, yeah. Um, But yeah, I was at at Oricon, one of con here in, uh, in Portland, Oregon. And I met Patrick through friends, which, but essentially what is, I met him through friends. And I picked him up in the bar. Nice. I basically just kept buying him drinks and making him stay and talk to me. Were you giving him many lines or what were you saying to him to keep him to, to stick around? Well, what happened? We, um, well, I didn't realize at the time, but he actually liked me as much as I liked him. So I didn't have to keep buying him these drinks to make him stick around, but he wasn't saying no, but he's a smart hey, dude. Yeah. Free drinks. Free drinks. How often do guys it's get free girl. drinks? Cute girl. And she's, she's buying my liquor. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a win um, right there. But we uh, we basically bonded over weird stuff that we both liked that we didn't that we were surprised to find somebody else enjoyed. We were talking about movies at some point, and the subject of Peter Jackson came up, and we both talked about how we liked the Frighteners. And I said, "Well, he made this other movie before that that's just like this really insane, over the top zombie movie." And Patrick went, "Dead Alive," and I said, "Yeah, he said, mm. you saw Dead Alive?" I said. Yeah, it was at Cinema 21. I went to, he goes, I saw it at Cinema 21. And he told me later, it was that thing of like, oh my God, I just met a girl who likes zombie movies. <laughs> it's important. So there was that. I know that. Like, I'm sorry, go ahead. And then on my, on my part, it was two things that he said. One was, we were talking about something and he made an off-the-cuff reference to Walter Pigeon. And I thought, he knows who Walter Pigeon is? I don't know who Walter Pigeon is. I have to be honest. Yeah, Google Walter Pigeon. He was a fine sort of um, B-level actor in A movies in like the 40s and the 50s and the 60s. But well, he was, um, did you ever see uh, Forbidden Planet? Yes. He was, uh, he was the, oh, the dad. I see him here. Yeah. Okay, that guy. I didn't know his name. Yeah. Okay, I so, know him. But we were also talking about something and we were talking about Ren and Stimpy and the, the Happy Happy Joy Joy song came up in conversation and he just very conversationally, he said, well, you know, that whole rant that uh, Stinky Weasel Teats goes on is based on uh, a monologue from Burl Ives in the movie The Big Country. And I thought, who is this guy? How does he know shit like this? <laughs> and, 
And so that, and then me liking Dead Alive, and and then we just went and made out in my car for forty five minutes. Oh, and that's <laughs> a good thing too. Listen, I don't, I don't want to be. Um, I, I'm a little vulnerable right now, Dawn. I'll be honest with you. I'm not on my game. I'm not. I'm not at the. I'm not top notch. I'm not completely healthy yet. But um, I'm gonna be a little vulnerable with you right now. Okay. There, there's nothing wrong with believing that there is somebody out there for you that actually gets the shit that you get and enjoys oh, the absolutely. shit you get. And these people who keep settling for people that aren't for them. It, it's a shame. And, I, and I'm saying this is a public service to all these kids yeah. out there that don't, don't understand that. I mean, really, yeah, it sucks if you're alone for a while, but eventually you'll come across some guy in a bar and uh, he's going to know who Walter Pigeon is and he's going to take a lot of your drinks and go make out with you in the car for 45 minutes and then you're set. <laughs> yes, exactly. I would also like to, I think uh, for years after I met Patrick, I I gotta say, I might actually be responsible for some of the uh, the fake geek girl problem because I tell you, I met Patrick, and then I would tell my friends, I'd go, go to a science fiction convention. I tell you, there are a lot of guys there, and they're smart, and they're funny, and they're socially awkward, so they're not dating a lot. So most of them are single. Yeah, and they're really nice dudes, most of them too, because they they they're mama's boys, or they just know how to treat a woman, but they can't get a woman. Yeah, and if you're you know if you're interested, if you're into pop culture stuff. They'll just be so awed by the fact that you get their cartoon references and stuff that they'll that they'll love you. Yeah, it's great. You know, I, I chased my wife for many a year, and uh, the more the longer we're together, she now likes Walking Dead. She's always liked Star Wars. She's always liked things that I like, and and, and that it was worth the wait, and it was worth the chase. It really was. Yeah, although you got there, there's also things. There's always going to be things that you don't like that the other person likes. That's just human nature. You know, yeah, I don't like her sister at all. <laughs> I was thinking more like ACDC, but sure. No, I mean, it's pretty much her sister and her mom. Everything else, she's aces. But them two fucking broads. Let me tell you, Dawn. Oh, they drive me nuts. They really do. And she knows. They know it. I tell them. I, I'm like you. Listen, Futzer was telling me about you that he said the greatest thing about you on uh, when you were doing things with Emerson is that you don't you never let him get away with shit. And he, he dominated most people that, that were on the show or that he talked to. And, uh, you know, I, I'm kind of I'm kind of that way, too. And with my wife's mom and her sister listen, and, and my wife, I mean, I tell her she knows that I'm a sweetheart, but I, I tell it how it is. And uh, the fact that you can get somebody like that to, to back off. And, and I think you get what I'm saying. Or am I wrong? I do get what you're saying. Yeah, I'm, I feel very lucky. My uh, I really like my in-laws a lot. Uh, my OK, the. The mom side of the family. My my husband's dad is a piece of work, but I, my mother in law is great. And my sisters in law are great. Patrick got the best end of the deal in that uh, my parents are both dead. Oh. They died. They died before I ever met him, so he does not have to deal with my mother. And man, he's lucky. He is so lucky. Yeah, because uh, you mentioned earlier that you didn't really like to be around your mom. No, she's was awful. It, was so, it? Was she just? Now, I don't want to say this and be uh, rude or mean, or but hmm. was she just one of those terrible people, or was it just a mother daughter we don't get along sort of thing? It, it was kind of a little of both. Other people loved my mother. Um, you got to imagine a woman that looks like Ann B. Davis, but talks and acts like B. Arthur. <laughs> and and people people loved my mom. She was a nurse, and she actually ran an entire unit at uh, at UCLA Medical Center for a long time. And people all the time would tell me, "Oh, your mom is great. She doesn't take any shit from anyone." And I thought that that might be a good quality for anyone other than her child. 
but uh, she was a uh, she was a bit of an alcoholic control freak. Mm-hmm. So even even if she was funny and smart and people liked her, I had to actually live with her, and she was a horror at home. <laughs> so. Well, that and that, and when you live with somebody, you know them better than their friends do. People always put on a little bit of a, a front for other people. Yeah, I, I always I always laugh when people do uh, do mother jokes or parental jokes that the punchline is, "You never do anything right." Because that was kind of the uh, the refrain through most of my life with my mother. Um, so. I'm sorry. I, you know, it's funny. My dad doesn't really care. I mean, my dad's a good dad, but he doesn't care if I do right or wrong. He's just a laid back dude. My mom, I can't do no wrong in my mom's eyes. I'm a wonderful man. She tells everybody on Facebook all the time. She'll post on all my posts. You're such a wonderful man, Michael. So wonderful. You know, and this is a thing. Um, I would like to s- send a message out to all the uh, the men and the ladies out there who are single as well. If you're dating someone, you know, the whole getting along with them and liking the same things and all that is awesome. But the the one thing you have to make sure you vet on an early date is how do they get along with their opposite sex parent? Mm, it's very important. You know, if you if you are a woman and you go out with a man and he tells you he hates his mother, just run. <laughs> just run. Because anytime there's going to be any kind of a problem, he is going to look at you and hear his mother's naggy voice. And you're going to pay the price for it. Well, that and the Silence of the Lambs and Psycho and, you know, a few well, other too. choice movies as well. But it's, it goes the other way, too. It's like, you know, you don't want to be involved with a woman with daddy issues. You really don't. You and don't. Dawn, I have to tell you, I don't want to make this about me, but I'm going to right here. Uh, I have my, my seven-year-old daughter who has been the, uh, the my pride and joy since the moment she was born. And every decision I make in a day, everything I do around her I do it so that when she's at the point of finding a man, she bases what she's looking for upon the way her father treated her and how her father treated her mother. And I think that is, I could spoil my daughter with gifts and uh, give her everything she wants and ponies and cars and this and that. But the best thing that you, if you're a father of a daughter, the best gift you could give her is being a positive male role model in her life. I really or believe I believe that. it was Chris Rock who said that as a father, your main job is to, Keep her off the pole. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's a good bit. But it's just you know, it's it's just it's really important. And um, I mean, even uh, I apologize when I'm wrong. I apologize. I don't say I'm the father. I can do what I want. If I'm oh, wrong, I'm wrong. I'm I'm sorry, honey. Daddy was wrong. Yeah, I'll do that. I don't care. That's nice. Will you be my dad? I I can be a father Is figure for anybody. Dawn. No, <laughs> no, no. You're married. It's okay. It's not like you're trying to get in my pants or nothing. So we're good. No. We're good. I didn't ask you to be my daddy. Yeah. See, that would be creepy. That would be creepy. And then Patrick would be like, what the, What are you talking about, Dawn? Her just sighs and rolls his eyes and goes, not again. <laughs> so um, I want to know more about Portland, your thoughts on uh, TV shows that I watch that are from Portland that I like and don't like. I want to see what you think. Okay. Okay. Portlandia, thoughts? Uh, Portlandia, from a Portland perspective i gotta say it is right on it is it is obviously very broad satire but it's broad satire that understands what is eminently mockable about portland as a tv show that is going out nationally i find it puzzling that people would find it at all interesting anywhere else because i gotta say i only find it marginally funny and i get the joke yeah okay so <laughs> so that that's kind of my take on portland i can watch it and go yeah, yeah, that's what it's like, all right. But rarely do I just laugh out loud and think it's hilarious. It's more of a like, 
yep, you really, you really skewered as that one. And really? but I don't, but if you're living in like, you know, in Austin, Texas, you might get it too. But if you're living, I don't know, in somewhere in the middle of Utah, I, I don't know if you're really going to get the humor. Yeah, I, I, I watch it. I think the only thing I ever really laughed at is when they redid like the theme song for something else. I don't even remember what it was for, <laughs> but I don't get it. I mean, I get it. I know those type of people. I just don't. It's not like with Always Sunny in Philadelphia, speaking of a show from around here, uh, that's not a representation of people in Philadelphia. It's just a show about people that are based in Philadelphia. Um, Portlandia, I just, I, I couldn't jump on that, that train and everybody uh, was, either people love it or they hate it. And I know a lot more people hate it than they love it. Yeah, it's not, it's, it's not laugh out loud funny. It's more like a, oh yeah, okay, I see what they did there. Yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> I agree with you. Now, this one, I, I'm going to get ostracized for this one, but this is a show from Portland that I, I quite enjoy. I hated it the first season, but now uh, my wife pulled me into it and kept me in it. And uh, Grimm, have you watched Grimm? I love Grimm. Fucking and, fantastic uh, show. I, I, besides the fact that I just love the show, I really like the way they do it. I, you know, I have characters I don't like. You know, that, that girlfriend character. The girlfriend got to go, Dawn. I can't God, stand yeah. her. Uh Plus, not only does she have to go, but their relationship is so bad. Yeah. Because and she got to get her eye fixed, too. I don't know what the fuck's going on with that thing. He's running around killing demons. The The aunt shows up, tells him you're a grim. Here's here's the trailer. You got to do all this stuff. And then he doesn't tell her. Yeah. And I think this has always been an issue I've had with comic book uh, heroes. Like, well, I can't tell you because then you'd be in danger, but you're still sleeping with her. And she's so, still in danger. So she's in danger. But in this case, it's like, I really have a problem in a, a, a relationship that supposedly has some kind of basis in reality that you're living with someone. You actually want to marry someone and you don't tell them, Oh my God, my crazy aunt showed up with this trailer full of weapons and told me I'm a monster killer. <laughs> not share that yeah that's kind of the first thing like i I pulled my wife into i'm like let's talk to this let's talk to her because she's freaking crazy I, I would totally just go patrick 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 oh my god you're not gonna believe this guess what i'm a grim we're gabbers though maybe that's why yeah, maybe but um as far as uh the actual art direction of the show that it really gives you a good idea of what portland looks like beautiful it's not, it's not quite that gloomy and rainy all of the time but that's what most of the residential neighborhoods look like with those kinds of houses yeah. i think it makes portland look beautiful and that really is it shows off a lot of what i really love about living here yeah and it got monroe i mean that guy's really cool too i love monroe if, yeah. if grim ever like fails i think they should give monroe his own show i i listen i've emailed silas weir mitchell about 20 times <laughs> Just to get, just for my wife to get him on the show, so she could sit here and talk to him too. And uh, he, he did get back to me. He's very busy, but hopefully one of these days it works out. But the show is, I like. We were talking about this last night. I like Sons of Anarchy. I like Grimm. I like uh, Walking Dead. I like Breaking Bad. All these shows have something in common. They're going somewhere. They're mm -hmm. not just stale. Now Bones is a good show, but the same thing happens on Bones for the last eight seasons, and. It's never it never going anywhere. Same thing was same thing was going on with House. I like shows that they're actually you see something coming. Like they have with Grimm, they have there's the the Royals and and now with this Captain. And when the last episode aired a couple of weeks ago, it's like oh February is so far off. And and I think that's a, the mark of a good show when you're upset when it's on a break. Yeah, I I like a good 
sort of story of the week show. Uh, the first few years of NCIS, um, not NCIS, CSI. I get my uh, my letter shows. Yeah, myself. they're all confusing. Uh, CSI, and uh, and they were all just sort of you know a case of the week thing. But I thought it was done really really well. But I do like a show that does have a good through story. Uh, if as long as it's not made by J.J. Abrams, <laughs> who who gets me? And God, man, I should have learned. J.J. Abrams and Chris Carter are going to burn in a certain hell of their own making for being people who consistently make shows that tease us and tell us that there's some kind of like a solid story that they have all worked out. And you will find out what the mystery is somewhere down the line. And about season three, you just go, wow, you're pulling this out of your ass as you go along, aren't you? Yeah. you, You don't you don't actually you don't actually know what the polar bear is for at all, do you? You just put a polar bear there and figured you'd figured out later didn't you it's a mind fuck dawn that's what i do with with just general everyday conversation i throw things out there that make no sense and that's what people latch on to and then you get done with your whole con and they're like well what was what was the polar bear about and you're like no i just wanted to mention a polar bear i was this has nothing to do with what we've been talking about but um i have another friend who lives in philadelphia uh he's a writer named uh, scott weinberg Okay. And and you and he have such a similar cadence and manner of speaking, um, probably both being from Philly, that I just now I'm sitting here just thinking how awesome it would be and, and also a little scary to be in the same room with both of you, listening to you both talk at the same time. We should do it. Let's let's one day let's get together and do a little show. Okay. We can, I'm sure he would love it. He's he's also a film writer, and uh, oh, I like that. that I like that. I, I listen. Anybody that has my cadence, I'm I'm listening. <laughs> I've had many phone conversations with him, and I'm listening. He talks a little bit faster, but other than that, it's that same. Also, the same way of saying my name. That that, that dawn kind uh-huh. of a thing. That's just it's awesome. I and like what, it. What's his last name? A uh, Weinberg. Weinberg. Mm. Scott Weinberg. It does, I, I'm not one of those people that just say, "Oh, that sounds familiar," but it does actually sound a little familiar. Where does he's he all over at? the internet. You've probably seen his name on, I don't know, DVD covers and crap like that. He well, he's a he's a bit of a big deal as a film critic online. Well, so. tell Scott Weinberg that I said hi and that we should get together sometime. I will do that. That's fantastic. Thank. Look at you bringing people together across the country, yeah. different side of the country, making people be friends. Making people be now with it's you. Say- I am. I'm all about the lightness and the happiness and the puppies. Ah, oh, I like puppies too. We were talking about getting a puppy, but that's for another day. Um, I want to get back to Portland, and you're okay. talking about how the uh, Grim represents how that 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 city looks or the feel of it. Um, what are you from, Portland? Not. Uh, I've lived here for over 20 years, but no, I'm not from here originally. I grew up in the Los Angeles area, okay, Southern, Southern California. California. Yeah. Okay, so that makes sense. That. Because I was like, if she went to Portland, if she lived in Portland and went to UCLA, that's that's kind of a stretch. But, okay, so that makes more sense. But why, what got you to Portland? Um, well, I hated Los Angeles. I grew, I grew up in a, uh, it started with my, my hometown as a child. There's a little town called Manhattan Beach, which is south of L.A. And it's, um, well, Fast Times at Ridgemont High was based on one of the high, high schools in my town. One of the two or three high schools he did his his uh, research at was one of the high schools in my town. So that's the atmosphere I grew up in. And it, it was very much a beach culture, very much a physical athletic culture. And I was a sort of pudgy, very pale skinned uh, person who did not tan well yeah. and did not really enjoy playing beach volleyball. Huh. So I uh, I just I just never really enjoyed 
the culture or the sun or the heat of Los Angeles. And at the point when I started thinking about places to go to culinary school, I had been to Portland once with my mother when she was visiting a friend and I loved it here. Absolutely. I got here and I was just like, wow, it's, it's kind of rainy and it's kind of drizzly and the place is cool and they have water fountains on the street that aren't full of garbage. And, and oh my God, they have video monitors in bus shelters to tell you when the bus is coming and no one has stolen them <laughs> or, or, or broken them. This is kind of amazing. And uh, so for a lot of reasons, I really liked Portland, but I ended up coming here to go to culinary school. And as soon as I started living here, I realized this was just where I belonged. I just felt very much at home here and I, and I never left. And that's cool. I feel that way about Salt Lake city and I, I'm not, I've only been there once. It, it, it's scary to pick up everything and move to a new town, especially like in my case, I didn't know anybody who lived here. Yeah. If it's, I don't know if, if the atmosphere is different and the atmosphere here, everything here is so much different from where I came from. And it's just, I, I just love it. I think it really makes a difference in your quality of life, even if you have to give up some stuff to go to a place that geographically works for you. Well, and I, I respect it. I respect that as a you know single woman with nobody there, you got you picked up, you moved, you started your life. I've always envied people that were able to do that sort of thing. Although I also I have um, things that people don't really leave Los Angeles because everything is there. It you can get everything. And if you just like where you're living is too expensive, well, there's cheaper parts of the Los Angeles area. It's so big, it's like its own state. Yeah. And then the people I knew who left LA, the furthest away they got, they would only got live LA because they were going to move up to the Bay Area. They wanted to live in San Francisco. So when I told people that I was moving to Portland, I just got these dumbfounded stares. You know, this was all this was kind of before it became like you know before the New York magazine thought it was like the coolest place on earth and there was, there were no TV shows about it or anything. And, and I, my friends were just dumbfounded. Like why, why Portland? I can't really explain. It's none it. of your business. I don't want to tell you cause I don't want you following me here. That's why it's just, it's just where I belong. Yeah. I want to go to Portland is on my list of the place of the place. I guess the number one place that I want to visit that I haven't been to yet. And uh, mostly because I want to see Grimm where Grimm is, you know, based. Um, I want to be able to be close enough to, to Northern California that I can go check out Man, Mount Shasta. And then I want to be, you know, that general vicinity where I can go north and see Mount St. Helens from afar and then look for Bigfoot all at the same time. And uh, it's a dream of mine. And people laughed my Bigfoot um, once. I would love to see a Bigfoot, but I don't know. That's the place that I think I should go looking for. it. I think we still have a Bigfoot society here. I know that. I know that I used to live in a part of town where this guy had regular monthly Bigfoot society meetings. Yeah, I think the BFRO is either based in Portland or, or, yeah, I think it is based in Portland. Yeah, it is. Yeah, see, I don't know. You've got to watch Finding Bigfoot. That that show is amazing. This has got to be the first stop on your Bigfoot tour. Yeah, my Bigfoot tour. Northern California, Oregon, Southern Washington. That's about it. I don't don't want to go. You'd asked about Portlandia, though, and every once in a while, those of us who live here, it's painfully it's painfully obvious so much of the time why, where the show comes from. And I was actually thinking about it earlier today. I was on my way to the studio and I drove by a place with a big colorful sign and it's called the urban farm store <laughs> yeah. because it's where people go to get stuff, you know, for their chickens that they raise in their backyards in Southeast Portland. Now do you have people in Portland that do the urban foraging? 
Oh, I'm sure they are. I don't even know what that is, but it sounds like something. It's where you go around and you pick like uh, different plants and stuff around the city and then take it home and eat it. Oh, probably. I think sure. that that seems like something in Portland. That seems like a very important right. Thing <laughs> it's not just me. Uh, speaking of food, let's get to your your culinary uh, career. What would you say is your your number one thing, the best thing that you do? Um. Well, I did this. I I was a pastry chef after I got out of school, and that's that's my forte. Is the whole or fort as it's actually pronounced? Uh, that's no, the, that's a long time, long running, awful show argument about fort and forte i'm on the forte side of that argument forte sounds fancier fort sounds stupid it sounds but that's stupid. apparently how it's actually pronounced it's pronounced fort no a fort is where you hide from indians exactly yes um so i lost my train oh I'm but sorry. i was a pastry yeah. chef and um and that's uh, uh that, that that's always been the thing that i i think i was actually best at and then as mentioned before um I've got this whole chocolate thing yeah, that's going on. Yeah, this is where outside. I was leading, yeah. Because um, I really like working with chocolate. I really enjoy it. It's, so we call in it its own the way, it's in my kind field. of an art form. It, it's really fussy and it's really specific, but there are lots of interesting things you can do with it. And I had a, uh, I, I became obsessed at one point with these different companies that you could buy stuff from on the internet that sell soaps and scented oils and things. There's one company in particular called Black Phoenix Alchemy Lab. And they do, they have hundreds and hundreds of scents um, that are evocative of different moods. They're named after characters in Alice in Wonderland. You can tell you're a writer. Evocative is nothing, a word that has never come up in my vernacular. Yeah, I got, I got some of your big vocabulary. Yeah, I don't. Even vernacular, I, I have a headache from that. Um, but uh, I don't know. I was saying, and they'll do things like um, they have a whole line of, of scents that are based on characters from Neil Gaiman novels hmm. and the. And the the profits go to the comic book legal defense, but but so everything. And I was kind of interested in the whole idea of it's a marketing thing, but it's also an interesting sort of style thing. It draws people in because you're not just buying a bar of soap or a perfume or something. Like I have some. They do a a Lovecraft uh, bunch of stuff, and one of the scents I have is called Miskatonic University, and it smells like dusty old books huh. and whiskey and coffee. So, so like my grandfather. A little bit. Yes. It smells like grandpa. And it smells, but you smell it and you go, wow, old books. How did they do the smell of old books? Now, how did you manage that? Yeah, I don't know. I guess, I don't know. What, what, what do you put in a perfume that smells dusty? A book. I have no idea. I guess you just get an old book and throw, like Willy Wonka, he was throwing shoes in there and time clocks and all kinds of things. I don't know. I don't know how. Anything if you have little Oompa Loompas as slaves. I'm not a chemist. I don't know how these things work. Yeah. So I don't either. But it's fucking I was, magic, I Dawn. It's magic. And and I thought about it, and I was thinking about I said, you know, somebody could do that with chocolate. You could get, like, ideas for things like the seven deadly sins or characters from books or whatever, and you could come up with a flavor, an interesting, complex flavor that's specific for each of those things. And then you could, yeah, you could market it to the same sort of goth, steampunk uh you know, geek community people that buy these scents and, and that people would that be love awesome. chocolate. And so I thought that, yeah, that would be a good idea. And being the genius I am, it took about 10 or 15 minutes for me to go. <laughs> I could do that. Mm. 
maybe I should, maybe I should do that because if I don't do it and somebody else does, then I'll feel bad because I had that idea already. I know that's my, that's YouTube for me. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So I, uh, came up, I, I first sold them a couple of years ago through when I was on live journal, I sold them strictly to people that I dealt with on live journal and they were enormously successful. I mean, if anything, it was too successful too fast because I just couldn't keep up with demand. So, uh, but I do a line of uh, seven deadly sins and there's a different flavor for each of the seven deadly sins. Uh, one of the lines is called the Chocanomicon and it's four different flavors based, you know, with, with a, a Lovecraft theme. Mm. And so, uh, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun trying to figure out the seven deadly sins and figure out what each one of those would taste like like so, what you put into chocolate to make it taste like something so it's it's actually you're sitting there and you're going over different types of flavors and mixing and matching and trying to find what you feel is the perfect representation yeah like uh with the seven deadly sins um envy is uh a key lime because you know green green, green envy. Envy. Yeah. and then it has bits of chopped uh, candied ginger in it because you get like a, a little a little burn with, yeah. with your so yeah, uh, wrath is pretty easy. It's three different kinds of chili and cinnamon and cloves. That's so smart. It a little heat to it. So yeah, the, and, what about uh, and what about a lot of fun gluttony? What's kind of gluttony? Hmm? What's a gluttony? Uh, gluttony uh, I actually just changed gluttony because uh, originally it was toffee because I thought that was a really nice sort of overindulgent, crazy kind of a thing. And, but I found the toffee didn't work cause it gets soft really quickly. So you don't get the crunch anymore. Mm -hmm. So I just changed gluttony and it is, what the hell did Patrick, do you remember what gluttony became? Oh, gluttony is um, orange because uh, somebody pointed out to me that oranges are, uh, are a symbol in many cultures of extravagance and, and wealth and, uh, and abundance. Mm. Like so it's orange. It's orange with a little bit of caramel in the center. Mm. A little center. Now, is this readily available that somebody could just purchase? I am actually uh, this evening after I get off of this, I am working at in the next couple of days getting the website uh, up. And when the website is functional, you will be able to purchase these sometime in the next, in the next day or two. You will actually be able to go to uh, polydorychocolates.com or polychalk.com, either one, nice. and you'll, uh, just buy them direct. I also do marshmallows. I make my own marshmallows. All right, cool. I think everybody should definitely go there. I'd like to place an order, Dawn. I think my wife would love it. I will take your money, sir. Yeah. So I'll just I'll just wait till it's up and running, and I'll I'll do it right through there. But okay. treat There's me. There's also a Facebook page if anybody want, who's listening to this wants to keep an eye on what the developments are and if it's up. Uh, there is a Polydory Chocolates Facebook page. All right, let's spell it out for me because I'm going to go there right now. Uh, Polydory. P O L I D O R I. P O L I D O. R-I. R-I. Dory Chocolates. And that name uh, comes from when I first did the chocolates, one of the collections I did, and I'll bring it back later, were four flavors uh, based on the four people that were there the night that Mary Shelley wrote Frankenstein, mm. which is the famous story with uh, John Keats and, and Mary Shelley. And, and anyway, uh, John Polidori uh, was the uh, Keats's, uh, was Shelley's uh, physician. And he is credited with writing the first vampire story. Hmm. So that's where the name comes from. So if you get the reference, you'll be intrigued. If you don't get the reference, it just sounds all fancy and European-like. It does sound fancy. It sounds like, hey, honey, I got you some Polidori chocolates. And she's like, oh, that's so much better than Dove or, I don't know, uh, Hershey's. I like Hershey chocolate. What her Cadbury. I don't know. Yeah. Cadbury used to be really good, and then uh, Schweppes bought them, and they kind of, eh. 
I still like Cadbury eggs. Hold on. Go here and keep an eye out for the website release. I'm 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 putting on Facebook your link. Oh, thank you. So it's more of a so I can go back to my post and remember that I wanted to do that. Um, yeah, everybody, check it out. And you have a you have a Twitter page for that too, don't you? I do. I do. Polydory. I think it's Polydory Chalk. Okay. Because there weren't enough letters for the whole okay. thing. Can you do me a favor? I probably shouldn't mm-hmm. do this on the show, but could you uh, send me uh, email me a link of all your links so I can add them into the show description, please? I will do that. Because uh, Polydory, that I, even though I just posted there, I'm. It's I don't know. Don't want, I'm a mess right now. <laughs> Aw. So, well you've been ill. You've you've had you've had lungs full of uh creatures and living things crawling up out of your innards. Yeah, and my nose and my brain and then uh it's, it's terrible. Enough about me. I want to know about what it's like to work directly on Hamfisted Radio with our good friend Bobby Roberts. It's um it is exactly like it sounds when you listen to him you know on, on Court and Fat Boy or if you listen to him on my show, it's it's exactly like it sounds. He and I will, well, we might share um, an email or two or text about something during the week, but the only time we actually see each other is when I show up to, to record the show on the weekend. And I used to do a whole lot of show prep. And the thing is that we would almost never really get to it. He's really amenable to me bringing show prep. If I tell him ahead of time, I want to make sure we talk about this and, and I want to do this segment and whatever, because his, Interestingly, I consider him a complete equal in doing this thing, but he has always taken the the perspective that it's my show and he's the producer and support. So, but I um honestly, I show up, I usually have not prepped anything and then we just talk nonstop for an hour. Yeah, and he's easy to talk to. He is so easy to talk to and his mind is so fast. Quick. He, he wow, he I I feel I just feel shamed by how how quick and how smart he is. I, you know, I used to get that way too, but then I realized that he's just, he's a, he's a great mind. And that's the, the yeah. some people can run a race. Some people can row a boat. Some people can talk real fast and make sense like Bobby Roberts. He's also one of those people though, that if I say something and it makes him laugh, I feel proud of myself because he's just, he's just somebody that, you know, if, if he thinks you said something funny, it's like, woohoo, I win. Yeah. I, no, he's a great, he is a genuinely great guy. It, it's not one of those situations where you have to pretend that your co-host is a good person. He's just a really nice, smart, genuine person. You know, I adore him. So let me ask you this. Um, let me put you in that position, Dawn. Who'd you, who do you like working better with, Rick Emerson or Bobby Roberts? Um, I, I, well, I'd have to say, I'd have to say Bobby. I mean, I enjoy working with Bobby. I loved working with Rick, even though, and you could hear it, you know, on the show, sometimes working with him could be incredibly frustrating. Um, he, you know, loves to pick fights. He loves, we would have that back and forth where he would argue with me about some of the stupidest things. (laughs) I mean, but the thing is, it was always, it was always really challenging with Bobby. It's very relaxed and very easy. I, I, with, with Rick, it was almost, it was like, like fencing, you know, you just had to always, I always had to be on my toes and on top of my game. And, and because he, if he saw a weakness, if he, if he saw I wasn't paying attention or my attention was drifting, or if an argument was weak, it's like, he just get in there and just poke and poke and poke and poke and poke. So, whereas that could be really kind of frustrating and irritating, it was also really rewarding and really challenging 
from a performance standpoint. Yeah, it keeps where, you on your game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, with Bobby, it's like, it's not like going and just hanging out with somebody that I really like a lot for an hour and just bullshitting about whatever comes to our, our minds. With Rick, it was like, it was a job. <laughs> it was a sport. It was, it was, it was exhausting. I'd go home at the end of a day of doing the show and I just collapsed. And I'm like, Jesus, I only, I only worked for four hours, but what a four hours that was. I, I guess that's how Kat must feel when she deals with me on this show. <laughs> But it's true. It's like, well, that's the thing. And I think I could speak for, I'm not going to speak for Rick Emerson, but I think I know where he's coming from. Uh, you like somebody and you know that they'll push back and it, then it becomes a game. Now I know she can push back. I know I can push on her and, and I got to win. I got to win this game, you know? And it was always interesting. Even, even if there were days when, you know, he was a loft or I was a loft or he was in a bad mood, even, even on the days and they they were rare, but even on a couple of days when he genuinely pissed me off, um, it was never dull. It was always he's he's absolutely one of the best at at doing what he did. And I don't know, maybe what he'll do again at some point. But but he he was an absolute genius at his craft. And I learned a huge amount from working with him. And it was always like I said, it was it was always fun and entertaining and uh and it made me sharper and better in a lot of ways. Makes me a it, better person. Great Thank you. Do you um do you still keep in touch with him? Not really. Uh when the show ended, um well when the show ended, I was mad at him and he doesn't really like people being mad at him. Ah. As you could probably tell from Lisa's show, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't have he doesn't really enjoy conversations about feelings. Ah. And so um and I think it's one of those things that if I want to be friends with him, I'd have to reach out. And I just haven't really been in the mood to yet. And he essentially has just kind of gone into seclusion. Yeah, that's um, what I was going to say. It's like, in my mind, he's like a hermit now. Yeah, people will ask uh, Sarah and Greg, like, what's he doing? They'll ask me, what's he doing? And it's like, everybody's like, I don't think he's doing anything. His wife, Laura, said, no, he's just even more of a recluse than he was before. I think he's working on a book. I don't know what he's doing. He's Ooh. just, he seems, I, I, I hope he's happy. <laughs> yeah i mean that's all you can hope for Got a new dog recently you know i wow that makes me happy i always like getting a new dog yeah yeah so do you have any pets i do i have a dog uh pitbull mix named bella uh-huh now it... you didn't name her after twilight did you no no okay. no no i had her before twilight because you're in that whole area of vampires and, or fake vampires well, and... i try to explain to that, that to people all the time it's like her name's bella not twilight it had nothing to do with twilight and I have a cat named Nemo. Nemo. I like that. Now, did you name it after Nemo the fish or Nemo the man? Um, Nemo the man. And also, I'm a big fan of uh, the old Little Nemo comic. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, so yeah. the fish had nothing to do with it. You're not mainstream <laughs> uh, naming no, your animals after mainstreams. No, I'm a fan of the old Little Nemo uh, comic uh, by uh, Winston. Uh, uh, yeah, all the comic geeks are yelling at me now because I can't remember his last name. Churchill. Let's, well, let's just say Churchill. Right. Winston Churchill. And, <laughs> that would have uh, been a great comic, though. The uh, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen comic. Yeah. I love that so much. And Nautilus not, was a badass ship. Yeah, not the movie, but the, the comic. I think very much yeah. Um, I, I'm, a, I name, I'm a whimsical uh, pet namer. Like I named my first cat Toonses because I always liked the Toonses, the driving cat. And then, then I got Reese's and I named her Reese's cause she looked like a Reese's peanut butter cup. And then we got, we had Kit Kat and we named her Kit Kat because she was a small cat and we already had Reese's. 
And then I had a cat once named Frank. And then we got, I, I found a kitten that was like all dirty and disheveled by the railroad tracks and cleaned it up and kept it. And so because we already had a cat named Frank. I named the kitten Beans. Frank and, and Beans. And, and then Frank went out and got, got herself hit by a car so that I just had a cat named Beans. <laughs> and so for the rest of her life, I had to explain to people why her name was Beans. It made perfect sense when there was another cat named Frank. But when it's just a cat named Beans, it makes no sense to anyone. It doesn't. Let me ask you this. You saw something about Mary, right? Yes. Every time you hear the the words Frank and Beans, don't you hear her brother saying it, like repeating it in the background? No, but I, I probably will now. Yeah. Thank every you. time Thank somebody says Frank and Beans, they go, Frank and Beans. <laughs> every time. <laughs> it's ridiculous. All right. My I've... first husband, by the way, I was married once before, and my first husband always wanted to get a dog and name it Wenceslas. Because he thought it would be fun to just always say, good dog, Wenceslas. Uh, bum, 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 bum. We're, we're not married anymore. Yeah, I know. I know why. <laughs> right there. <laughs> um, I guess my last thing for you tonight is uh, tell me your thoughts on your listeners and uh, the people that uh, frequent your show and uh, your interactions with them. And how do you feel about all that? Um. I really, I think, again, I think I'm really lucky. The kind of listeners I have generally tend to be very cool people. Um, they're, uh, it's it's kind of hard for me. I'm not like, you know, Rick Emerson introverted, but I'm also somebody that, like I said, you know, I, I spent a lot of years as a writer and I spent a lot of years as a freelance writer. I deliberately, and now I'm a podcaster, I've created a life for myself specifically so I don't have to deal with the general public because first of all, I just don't like most people. But the other thing is because I'm just a little bit socially awkward. I know that I have a tendency to just blurt out really rude and politically incorrect things. Yeah. Um, I'm, I will, I often, it's hard for me to just not say things that will piss someone off sometimes so when I'm in, when I do do a public thing, when I would go to say one of the Court and Fat Boy events, or we had a big uh, Fun Employment Radio Network listener party, or go to something like that, I you know I'm on my best behavior, and I meet people, and I talk to them, and I ask them about themselves, and I answer their questions, and I'll pose for a picture, and I'll sign their boob or whatever, and chat with them, and I enjoy it, but at the same time, it's exhausting because I'm so aware of being nice. Because honestly, 95% of my life, I'm just in my house, either on the internet or talking to my husband, and I don't have to be nice. <laughs> I, can just, I can just say anything I want to say. I can say some kind of horrible thing about Jews that I would never say in public, but my husband will laugh and he knows that I'm just being horrible. That, But then, you know, so I have this constant fear that I'll, you know, make some kind of like a rape joke or a Holocaust joke or something in front of a normal person. And I'll see that expression of their eyes getting huge and going, I thought you were completely different from this. You're a monster. So I'm just always like, Hey, hi. Not, and I just smile a lot and act friendly. <laughs> and it's so tiring. Yeah. But listen, liberate yourself, dog. Let me tell you why I'm going to share this with you from podcaster to podcaster and, and a friend of friend. This is, this is what you do. Just say it. Just say whatever's on your mind because there's going to be people. It doesn't matter if you say it or not. There's always going to be people that are going to have a problem with anything you say. And if you, you're doing it in the realm of humor, listen, I had uh, a few years ago, I had a big, um, 
a big stance on uh, a rape Olympics. Uh, as, oh, no, rape is a um, an extreme sport. Or telling uh, telling uh, uh, Jewish people that I'm over the Holocaust that that happened a long time ago. Or even last night, somebody called me a racist on a mediocre show. And uh, why do I get away with it? Uh, we make fun of Eric making wizard noises, but why do we make fun of him? But nobody says anything about my racism. And I said, because he's not a wizard and I'm a fucking racist. And I'm not. Everybody knows I'm not. But it's liberating to to actually open up your comedy and not have to worry about that. Yeah, that, that's. Uh, I, I got a little distracted because I don't know if you could hear that sound in the background. Yeah, that that's our studio phone. It's a Star Trek phone, and when it rings, it makes the emergency sound from the the. I didn't the hear Enterprise. it at all. No, I didn't even hear it. Oh, so anyway, um, hold on a second. Just Answer. It. See who it is. No, see who it is. Pick it up. See who it is. Well, he did pick it up, but now he's gone. Just go down in the elevator. Now it is. Now, now I hear it. Yeah. yeah. Press six. Now I hear it. Pick up the phone first. <laughs> Put it up great. to your head. This week on Obviously Oblivious, this is don't we're, we're teach to, Patrick how to answer a phone. You a, I'm sorry. You want a little podcasting behind the curtain? Yeah, we no, I love it. That's why I'll let this play. I'll let it play. Go ahead. You pick it up and you say something like you just did. Whoa. Press six and hold six down. Whoa. Oh, God. He's up. Hold on. Anyway, we have to record the show again because we screwed it up uh, yesterday. Or should I say I screwed it up yesterday. I forgot to turn on the recorder. Eh, this happens. So now we have a new a new, uh, a new, new show. We have to do the show again. So that's Jamie Kirk trying to get into the building. So I'm talking to you, and I'm also trying to explain to Patrick how to buzz him in on the ah. stupid-ass Star Trek phone that Aaron Duran from Geek of the City brought in that looks like the, the Enterprise, and you have to, like, take the top off the Enterprise and hold it up to your head, and, 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 and it makes that whoop, whoop Well, noise listen, it's, it's a futuristic technology, and I can understand why Patrick has a problem picking it up. Uh, don't be angry with him. I just want to know why we can't just have a normal phone. Uh, but We're a piece of business. No, because that's just how it is. <laughs> All right, well, Dawn, I'm going to let you get around to, to recording your other show. I don't want to talk you all out, even though I know that's impossible. Thank you. Um, Maybe we could do this again. Maybe. Well, I, see, if you were local, I'd have you on my show. I, I'm not sure how to record. If I can figure out how to record a Skype information, uh, a Skype conversation, we'll have you on our yeah, show, Yeah, just too. plug Skype into the mixer, and then the, there you have it. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wizardry, magic, whatever. Yeah, it's, very, it's, it's a fucking miracle, Dawn. <laughs> No, but I want to thank you for coming on. Can you go over? I mean, I've been really looking forward to this for a while. We scheduled this a long time ago, and uh, it's you were supposed to be the last interview of the year, and I then was. you now you're the first interview of the year. The next interview is actually going to be a listener interviewing me, so you're in good company. I was. I I have to admit, I was very flattered when I realized you've had people like like you know Neil deGrasse Tyson on, and people who actually have things to say. Yeah, so, I'm at, my, I'm actually my reach goes very far. <laughs> You wouldn't know it by the stupid stuff I say on Facebook, but I'm actually a, uh, yeah, I'm a relevant person on the interwebs. You're somebody, mister. You're uh, somebody. I'm somebody, damn it. I don't know who I am, but I'm somebody. But no, can you go over your links, one, uh, your, all your uh, links one more time? Okay. Um. Let's see. Well, Hamfisted Radio is at hamfistedradio.com. We're also on iTunes. So if, if you listen, you like it, please subscribe. 
Um, the chocolate business will be at polydorychocolates.com or polydorychalk.com. You can find those at uh, on Facebook. You can find Polydory Chocolates on web, on Facebook as well. I'm on Facebook, uh, Don Taylor. I'm in Portland, Oregon. You can, you know, find me. I'm one there. of my friends. She's right there. She's in my yeah, friends. I'm, I'm, I'm one of Mike's friends. I'm also on Twitter, Don Taylor 666. So you can uh, add me there. And, uh, you know, Google Don Taylor. I'm one of the first three that come up. You can go back and read some of my old movie reviews if you want to. Yeah, one I'm going to do that. You know, what I thought of, you know, some old bad Star Trek movie or something. is You go for it, people. Listen, there's plenty of stuff to read there. Go go check it out. I just, you know, like I said, again, I when I mentioned this uh, months ago, you were coming on, and, and I've been teasing it here and there. I know a lot of people were very excited because they've never heard an interview with Don Taylor, and, and thank you for letting me be the first. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, yes, I'm sorry. I These people who were slavering to, uh, to hear an interview with me. Well, that's like, the thing. Yeah. They need to get out more. I'm well, sorry. Not but. only that, it's just, you know, <laughs> I know that you've been just holding off all these years waiting for me to ask you for an interview. And I appreciate I that you did that. So many people try to interview me, Mike. And I just keep saying, no, you just, I don't know. I'm waiting for somebody who gets me. Yeah. And I get you. We're kindred spirits. We really are. So thank yeah. you. Thank you for coming on. I have one more thing to comment on. And that is say thanks to Patrick. Cause I hit a couple jokes tonight that I heard him laugh at. And that meant a lot to me. Uh, you're welcome. Yes, he's, he says you're welcome. <laughs> okay. He's a good people. Everybody uh, go check out and like and uh, follow everything that Dawn does. And as soon as the website goes up, I'm everything. Going to, yes, everything. I'm going to go on and I'm going to get the, the, the seven deadly sins for, for Ariana because I know she'll love it. And uh, I, even though the, 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 the spicy one, I'll probably eat that one. Um, I don't, I'm not a big chocolate fan, but I like chocolate and heat. I do like that. I thought you said chocolate in heat, and I it took me a, a moment to figure out what you yeah, said. Yeah, my mom's dog chocolate when she's in heat. No, she, <laughs> my mom doesn't have a dog named chocolate. That's just disgusting. Um, <coughs> way to end the interview. Yeah, I do. I, I do what I can, Dawn. Uh, I just want to remind everybody else. Obviously, Oblivious goes live this weekend, Sunday, at um, a little bit later, probably eight eight p.m. or so. We're playing the Redskins. We're playing the Seahawks, and I want to watch that first. I'll keep everybody posted. But we go live, Mediocre Radio Network. Um, also. Uh, next week, uh, next Wednesday, 808 the PM, Mediocre Radio Network is the Mediocre Show. Get there, get in the chat room, uh, talk to us, love us, do all those things. Listen to the new Hamfisted Radio that's going to be recorded uh, immediately when that's coming out. When's that going to be coming out, Don? Uh, it'll probably be online tomorrow, which is, what day is that, Friday? Yep. So. so there you go, Friday, you got that, you got this, and you can look forward to uh, Full of Sith being recorded this weekend. I know a lot of you uh, Star Wars nerds are going to be uh loving that and it's going to be a good show brian young myself Consetta parker and fat boy roberts will be uh once a month he will be on the show for uh for a whole show doing his thing he's gonna be doing like uh, star wars rumor control and i like it bobby roberts rumor control and he's gonna he's gonna argue a lot with brian because they have opposite opinions on star wars and i'm gonna love that fucking nerd fight every month i am and, and arguing is really <clears throat> what he does best yeah he's fantastic at it but go back and listen to the beginning of his interview. It's hilarious. I will do that. Okay. All right. So um, you want to go out on what tonight? What's your song? Uh, it would be uh, one of my very favorite songs in the whole world. Uh, Elvis Costello, Pump It Up. It's a great song. We're going to play it right now. Uh, so for Dawn Taylor, obviously Oblivious 00102 and um, Elvis Costello, who's a pretty good guy. I met him already. This is Mike <gasps> saying I. Well, 
Nice. Oh, I'm sorry. He's my favorite musician in the entire world, and I've seen him like a whole bunch of times, but I've never met him. Oh, really? No, I um, when I used to work for Real Radio, I was was sent to every freaking concert. I, I've been, I've met him like three, four times. Uh, <laughs> fantastic guy. Fantastic guy. I'm all a flutter now. Oh, well, if you ever when you do see me in person, you shake my hand. It shook Elvis Costello's penis. No, it didn't. Just his hand. Oh. But he touches his <laughs> penis with his hand. So, you know, by default, I touched Elvis Costello's penis. That's true. You're like uh, two degrees of separation from Elvis Costello's penis. Yeah. So look at you. Now you're really impressed with me. Look yeah. at that. All right. Well, thanks, Don. I hope you have a great night. Well, you too. Thanks right, for thanks having me. me. Good luck with the show. Don't forget to hit record. I won't. All right. <laughs> bye-bye. Bye, Patrick. Bye. Thank you. Uh, this is the Mike saying night. Night.
Hi, this is the Mike Pilot from Obviously Oblivious, this little program that you just heard. And let me tell you about Zaxworks.bigcartel.com. My buddy Zach Martinez out in Salt Lake City, he does some pretty cool stuff. He takes uh, wine bottles, liquor bottles, beer bottles, any kind of bottles, and he turns them into tumblers, glassware, that kind of nice stuff. So I implore you to go to that website, Zaxworks, Z-A-X-W-O-R-X.bigcartel.com. And uh, check things out. They're a great Christmas present. And uh, if Christmas already passed, because I'm not going to redo this commercial, I'm not. It's a good holiday gift for Valentine's Day. Uh, that birthday of somebody you like. To, to get and break up and throw at somebody that you don't like so much. These kind of things that I do. Um, <laughs> he also has some uh, really cool tattoo art up there, too. So check it out. Zach's a good guy. He supports this show. And uh, we support him. So once again, it's Zach's Works. Dot bigcartel.com Z-A-X-W-O-R-X dot bigcartel.com Help him out. And by that, I mean go there now and buy something. Because you have more money than I do. And Zach. Because he's fucking broke. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 